At long, long last, the Canadian women's national team have defeated their rivals to the south after 20 years of heartbreak. Canada came out of the winning side against the United States, and what a moment to do it as the 1-0 win also means they advanced to their first ever Olympic finals. My name is Mitchell Tierney. This is Wake the Red Weekly, and on today's edition of the show, we will, of course, talk plenty of women's national team, recap the Gold Cup a little bit, discuss... Another draw at BMO Field for Toronto FC and more, I am sure. Kristen Knowles, the Vocal Minority Podcast, is our guest this week. And we'll get her take on all things women's national team, the historic win for the program, and where they go from here. But first, as always, the main men, Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh. Boys, sleep-deprived, but immensely happy this week. Go ahead, Mike. Look at that smile. <laughs> Uh-oh, he's on mute. He's been muted. that's on me um yeah no i just smiled because you said uh sleep deprived and i just thought immediately back to like what a crazy really like 12 hours because obviously we we covered the the toronto fc game here at wake in the red and that was you know a a later one probably got wrapped up after the press conference that everything was done probably by like 11 and then 4 a.m of course, like I managed to actually get in a few hours, thankfully, in between then. Um, mm. And then 4 a.m., rise and shine, man. Like, honestly, I didn't really have much trouble waking up for that one because I was just so pumped, so excited. It's, It was such a long time coming, and the adrenaline after that game just kept me going, you know, through the rest of the day. And dang, what, what a historic moment for Canadian soccer. Jeff, how you doing? I'm good. I'm just. I'm. I'm wondering if I if I even get to talk about it because I slept through it. I mean, <laughs> it was it was very very nice to uh, to like I said. I love my sleep, guys. I, I managed to stay up without a disco nap until about two two thirty. I can't remember what I was watching, what Olympic sport I was watching, but it got really boring really quickly, and then I just fell asleep. Um, and then you know I woke up and it was fun to sort of recount the match and all of your reactions to it by going on the Slack chat. I, I did that first before I checked the scores because I wanted to sort of live vicariously through you guys while you were living the event, and uh, it it was fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. And then of course you got to see it every fifteen minutes on the various Canadian networks because they played the hell out of that footage, uh, rightly so. Yeah, and how I guess how sweet it was that it came down to at least a somewhat controversial penalty. I mean, it just it just everything that happened in that game seemed to seemed to perfectly fit the narrative of nine years later and almost how you'd want Canada to do it if they were to, you know, finally get that win against the United States. Perfect. Yeah, it's so fitting. Like hmm. I was again like one thing that was brought up like throughout the the week leading up to not even that match just canada's tournament overall was that game against the u.s back in 2012 which you know reunited a lot of canadians a lot of canadians anger because what a joke it was in terms of officiating and you know canada coming up on the short end of the stick there and then as you say mitch like really that call against canada or against the u.s it technically was a can- uh, you know a penalty but it really came out of nothing like it mm-hmm. was completely against the run of play even the play itself like there was no real danger um was it D- dan rose who who yeah. eventually drew the penalty yeah, yeah. yeah. she yeah. just you know trucked it down and made something really out of nothing forcing an error out of the us defender and it, it's some sort of sweet justice sweet revenge and just so happy for those canadian women who 
again, some of them are still on the team. You have some alumni that are still, you know, holding on to that 2012 game. And just just justice is finally served, what, nine years later? So mm-hmm. sweet. So gratifying. Yeah. And I have was- a question. I have a question but- for you guys. Which which is the best screen cap? Was it uh uh the slide, the just the 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 slide? Was it the um uh uh oh, now I can't remember. Go ahead. Finish what you were gonna say, man. <laughs> I felt so bad about interrupting I, you that I, I lost my honest. train of thought completely. Yeah, no worries. I, I'm gonna be honest that I don't think anything you can say can beat that slide though. That was an iconic moment in, in Canadian soccer. So I think that's Canadian pro- heritage pro- moment. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered yeah. Jeannie Becky crying at the whistle or Cincy hugging Lindsay Horan. I think it's, I think it's still got to be the knee slide. Like that's just, that's just the moment. And yeah, it was a uh, trick question. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> of course it's the knee slide. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny. Like the, the penalty as well, like you said, Mikey, like in real time, you see, like, I don't think any of us thought penalty at all. Uh, on play that play. On. It was like, yeah, it was a good rush by Deanne Rose. And then you see the ref go to the VAR and you're like, what, what is this for? And then they show that first replay and like, that I still get chills thinking about that because I realized immediately I was like, "Oh my goodness, that that's going to be a penalty," just because yeah. the yeah, she like I, yeah, it, it just it just was, and you were like, then everything that happened after that was was just wild, and it's funny, right? Like we talked going into this tournament about Canada and how their offense is going to be their Achilles heel, and they've only scored one. That's the only goal they've scored so far in the <laughs> knockout stages through through two games, but their defending has been just so, so good in the past couple of games. And I think um, obviously there's a couple of players who deserve credit, but Vanessa Gilles, man, like 14, 19 clearances actually against the United States, everything, every play into the box and the U S really tried to, you know, uh, win that aerial battle. And, and that was their way forward against Canada, but there'd be a ball that would go into the box and all of a sudden out of nowhere, here comes Vanessa Gilles to just crash header it out and, like good clearances every time where they weren't quite coming straight back down Canada's throat. So, I mean, she, she doesn't even have double digit caps for Canada. And this is a player that's been really, you know, a revelation for Canada at this tournament. They call her the the magnet in the air where everything just attracts through her head. I mean, yeah, you said it there, man. She definitely deserves a lot of praise. Um, Another thing I want to point out is that she's managed to play so good. She's displaced Jelena Zadorsky from the side, who mm-hmm. is a, a terrific defender, not only for Canada, but also on the world stage because she plays such an important role for that Tottenham Spurs team. Their and captain. Their captain, exactly. So to, to just that's just a testament to just how good Vanessa Gil has been. Um, Kadishu Buchanan, of course, has just been just a leader mm-hmm. at the back there. And, She's really holding down the fort there next to Vanessa Gilles. Um, Got to give a shout out, of course, Ashley Lawrence. Wow. Yeah, 100%. Wow. And, wow. Uh, you know, I've been <laughs> I've been the first to say that I think she should play in the midfield. Um, but against a team like the U.S. where you know you're going to be defending a lot, I thought it was really important to have Ashley Lawrence there at the back just to solidify that position. Because, you know, a lot of the times U.S. likes to work down that left flank. And they tried time and time and time again. And Ashley Lawrence was was doing a fantastic job of mitigating that. Um, Jeff, your girl, Alicia Chapman, another <laughs> fantastic performance. Uh, yep. Jesse, Jesse Fleming. I'm going to go through the whole team right now because they all honestly deserve a lot of this praise. But Jesse Fleming, like 
she showed that why people are so high on her have been so high on her. She showed that not only can she, you know, dictate the pace of play there for Canada's midfield, but she can hang with the best in the world. Like when you see her in tight areas, you see her composure on the ball, her decision-making, her thinking, it's top-notch, first-class, and she was fantastic against a talented side like the U.S. who doesn't like to give you a lot of time and space, and Jesse Fleming found ways to, to find that. Quinn in the midfield, fantastic. Just fantastic. Fantastic. Mm. fantastic. Um, who else am I missing here? Uh, oh, Desiree Scott. Shout out. She, yeah. like, turned back the clock, and she looked very, very mobile there in the midfield. I thought she was very good on the ball when she did have it. She showed some plays in tight again that that helped Canada keep possession, and just her work behind the ball, just absolutely fantastic. Um, again, I'll go through the whole team, Janine Becky, another <laughs> another great that. another great performance yep. from Janine Becky, right? And Christine a, a woman Sinclair. possessed, man. She was mm. she was incredible out there. And Cincy, what can you say? What can you exactly, say? exactly? Yeah, you and know? you know what I will say on that is this is not a knock on Cincy by any means, but the rest of Canada have risen to her level where mm-hmm. it's no longer the kick and run to Christine Sinclair show. It's now a, a more team oriented type of game where Christine Sinclair is now dropped further back in the team to play a role. And you mm-hmm. see the people like, like Nichelle Prince and then a Dan Rose, you know, get forward. It's just, it's super exciting for, for Canada to just, you know, have this, this victory yeah. and, they deserved it. They full on deserved it. I think everyone played played really well. Yeah, I think in in 2012, like Christine Sinclair carried the team on her shoulders. Obviously, when they almost beat the United States for this win, like the rest of the team was there arm in arm with her, and like that's the big big difference in this game. And you know, it is obviously the the legacy going forward, and why this why this win and everything is so important is it's not just Sinclair anymore. Like you said, like this is a young team. There's a lot of these players who are, you know, just entering their 23, 24, 25. Like they'll be around for another cycle and Mm -hmm. they'll be able to continue to build on this. So that's massive. Um, And I did also want to shout out Ashley Lawrence as well. Like you said, 100 caps. And like you said, having her at the back was so important, not just for her defensive work, but once they got the ball back and there was so many like clearances at the end of that game when Canada was desperate, but her ability to just carry the ball out of space was huge for Canada in terms of, in terms of, you know, lessening that pressure on them late in that game. And yeah, just, just what a player. Um, it looks like Kristen's here. So we'll continue to, to revel in the glory of this win with her. Um, I'll bring her on now. Hey guys. Hello, hey, hello. Hi. Uh, now, Messy chair. No one needs to see a messy chair in my yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> now joined by Kristen Knowles, the Vocal Minority Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Kristen, I just want to quickly apologize because I will have to be dipping out so shortly, but it's not because Whatever. of you, I swear. Oh, sure. I swear. <laughs> I feel like the last a... time I was on, you avoided me too. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Something it's, I these, it's, these, <laughs> it's these press conferences from Toronto <laughs> FC that he has to go to. Oh, um, you know what? If he finds out what's going on with Pozuelo, then I'm, I'm he's, allowed, I, you know, he's allowed to abs- leave for that one reason alone. Otherwise, <laughs> fair. I'll ask it just we, for you, Kristen. Thank you. We uniformly don't care what happened well. to Dom Dwyer because it means that Patrick Mullins gets to move <laughs> further up the depth chart. So um, don't worry exactly. about asking that question. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who cares? Who cares about, about <laughs> Double D? Um, 
let's uh mitchell i mean your question is is basically what we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes so uh Let's, yeah, I feel, uh, I, feel, uh, I feel like you guys have answered all the things I'm going to say, but we can keep talking about it because I'm happy <laughs> to. Anyways, Mitchell, what's your question? Well, yes. Since, well, I think... since, since, since Mitchell and I are twins. Right, yeah. We're in the same... Uh, yeah, uh, you two are slackers, nuts. clearly. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just can't see No, 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 he's got... Oh, all right. And we all know... I got this year. <laughs> I would have been wearing my... Classic. I would have been... I would have been wearing my 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 black Canada training top, but you know somebody <laughs> by the name. <laughs> but you go to the but wrong it's... winners. That's not yeah. my fault. Man, I went I went to BC to get mine. So I, you know, listen, I put in I've effort. I've been. I have uh, effort. I walked the entire west end of the city. I went into a million I different winners. The and... country. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You win. Yeah. I'm no shares. <laughs> I'm like, All right, tell us what right. happens with Puff. It's funny. I think I got mine in PEI too. So (laughs) very, very interesting (laughs) stories behind these Canada kits. And we all know how tough they could be to get at times. But I I think it's the thing that's on all of our mind is can you even believe what you saw yet after all these days? And I guess just how big of a win was this for for the sport in this country? It's unreal still. Like I I like obviously like I start talking about start smiling, right? Because Mm -hmm. It's just such an amazing thing. And it's, I, 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 I honestly, and, I, and I've seen other people say this, like I, I literally, I was crying. I was crying when the final whistle blew, when I realized it was happening. Like this was, the match was about to end. Nothing else was going to happen and that they had done it. Um, and like, not sad tears, obviously, like joyful, happy tears, but also tears of relief mm-hmm. that, this hurdle, this obnoxious, you know, weight on their shoulders was finally lifted and they can look, they can look past their history and look forward to new history and to a new um, way of viewing this team and this program. Um, And it was, it was just all of those things, but like, so happy for all of them. So happy for the for the vets um, from London. So happy for uh, you know fans that are watching. Um, it's just like I get goosebumps thinking about it. I, I I'm I'm just so overjoyed that that this happened and that it happened on the back of a really good game. Like, that's the other thing. No one can point at this game. And, and people can whinge about the penalty if they want. But I just gesture at the world of football. So mm-hmm. go away. Um, yeah. And it was a really good game. So no one can come back and be like, oh, well, you know, you, you can shut up. Because they not just held their own, but they held the Americans at bay. And that's not something that they normally do. Like this was, this was their best game of the tournament. Um, And uh, a complete game from the entire squad. There was like, you guys were talking about the performances and um, like so many people to talk about, like literally like as you, as you guys said, like the entire squad, but um, yeah, like, so you've got, Ashley Lawrence, who we talk about a lot, who I talk about a lot. I love Ashley Lawrence. She's amazing. I am so thrilled to see all of the love she's getting and all of the recognition that is now coming her way based on this tournament. 
Um, it should have been coming before that. We've been talking about her for a lot longer than that, but that's okay. If this is what it takes to get her profile raised, um, we were you were talking about whether or not she should be in the midfield or should she be back in defense. I'm like Michael, I'm like a big proponent of Ashley Lawrence midfielder because yeah. in matches when she gets moved up to the midfield, especially when she gets paired with Quinn, because the two of them together are such a dynamic force. You've got Ashley Lawrence's creativity and Quinn's uh, defensive vision. It's wonderful. They they play off each other so well. But in this case, not just because they're playing the Americans and you need to protect that flank, which of course you do. That's one of their favorite routes. But um, it's an Olympic squad with limited players. So if you move Ash, who do you put in her place? There's no one, right? Like there's, there's they op the, the, the flexibility isn't the same. And that's why it was such a brilliant thing to bring her, not just because she's brilliant, but because of her flexibility as a player. Um, and I do also want to highlight Vanessa Gilles because what the hell? Yeah. Like, what <laughs> yeah. the hell? Like, I, I, I you know, we're, we've, I've been a fan of hers. You know, it's been great to watch her come along this last, God, even just six months. But this tournament, like, my word. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the magnet, because everything sticks to her head. Um, you know, if the ball comes anywhere near it, it's done. You're done. And as much as I am a humongous fan of Shalina Zadorsky for many, many, very, very good and valid reasons, not just because she's the captain of Spurs. Um, but yep. it is, that is a testament um, because I was surprised that Shalina did not start the match against the Americans. I actually was. I was like, oh, now again, I, but I wasn't worried because Vanessa was starting, you know, like that was, I was okay with that, but I was surprised. And um, uh, Janine Becky, who, who I love, I love Janine Becky. She's such an interesting person. And I say mm -hmm. this to everybody when I'm on their show, if you haven't watched Janine Becky's show, Bruce with Becky, you're doing yourself a disservice. You should watch it. It's about coffee, not beer. Oh, um, I was just about to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like <laughs> coffee too, but. Um, and um, but she's incredible. She's an incredibly thoughtful, intelligent person, but she's also an incredibly intelligent player. And she did not start her tournament. Well, she has not had the best of years for Canada. Um, she's had an okay year for Canada, but you know, that match against uh, Chile, that was, you know, her breakout match, um, which was great. But this match what I really loved about her game, what I really like about her is that when she knows that the scoring boots aren't on, like it's just not working for her. She does so much else in the background um, to work to set up plays defensively. Like mm -hmm. she gets in there. She's, she, she, she plays some serious D like later on in her career, if she's tired of scoring goals. She could just move further back down the pitch <laughs> and still be a force. And yep. I, I'm, I'm only partially kidding about that. I'm, I'm a big fan of converted strikers um, mm -hmm. both ways, you know, like there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot to be said for uh, moving mobile defenders up and moving older strikers back. But yep. um, it was, uh, and can we talk about Steph LeBay? Yeah. 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 That's one person who I don't think even, I don't think Mike mentioned her actually. No, no, no. no we forgot. Yeah. And that <laughs> so was, please that do. Was, yeah, like, please. Steph LeBay and this tournament has thrilled me for her because I feel like it has taken far too long for people to recognize 
what a good keeper she is, how strong she actually is. It's not just luck that, you know, oh, you know, Canadian keepers, you know, we always have a strong defense and as long as they're okay sort of thing. Because people are still, you know, people also still have Aaron McLeod and even Karina in their heads, which is Mm -hmm. fine. We've been blessed with some really, you know, um, really, really strong keepers who have, you know, big games, big personalities. And Steph is... She's a quieter person sort of on the surface, but people I don't think understand the strength of this woman and what she's done in her career to further her career, to further her game. Um, And to have her have these big performances on this world stage and have people really see what she's capable of as a keeper, um, I think has been tremendous. And she has... She has kept Canada in matches. She has kept that defense organized. She is, um, you know, and she saved that shot. Mm. So yeah. um, there's just, there's so much to, to, to love about her game and how it's also how it's developed, but it is, you know, not everyone gets to see that. And um, I am, and, and Kaylin Sheridan is going to be a, a wonderful next keeper. Um, and they, it's good that they have two really strong keepers. Like I love Kaylin. Um, she's yeah. great. She's great. She's got a huge career ahead of her. She's nice. She's going to be really good, and she'll take over. And if probably in a few years, even you know, Steph's not young, but again, she's a keeper. Yep. They play forever, right? Um, but she <laughs> has had such a tournament, such a tournament. It's wonderful to see. It made me so happy um, to see her uh, be able to play through that injury. Um, but I know, but knowing her, knowing her character, you know, she's playing through that injury responsibly. She's not being stupid. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to play in this match and possibly do myself more damage. No, she'd only play if she knew that she wasn't going to like irreparably injure herself again, because she's been through injuries, right? She's been through nonsense. So, um, yeah. The other thing I want to say just about the entire squad in general, um, Mm -hmm. is that everybody gets a medal, which is wonderful because everybody has Mm -hmm. dressed. Not everybody's right. played. Yeah. You don't have to play. You have to dress. Mm. So credit yep. to Bev Priestman and staff for doing that. And credit to Bev Priestman for yeah. what is happening with this squad. Um, people were highly suspicious and highly reluctant to accept her as the coach in this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't think that she was anything more than, you know, like a, uh, and again, a lot of this stems from people's distrust of John Herdman in some ways. Um, sure, he got into the big stage, but they never really accomplished anything. The program hasn't moved forward. They don't play young players. They don't do this. They don't do that. Um, you know, it's yeah. been really, really. And again, I don't agree with everything she says she does, but you never do, right? Does anyone ever fully agree with the coach of anything? Um, but I think, again, I think she has progressed through these last six months. You can watch the evolution of how she's using these players, of how she is setting this team up, um, and the recognition between herself and the players of what they're capable of and when they should step back. And Christine Sinclair is a fantastic example of that. Like, obviously, this team and everybody loves her and will do anything for her. They would run through a wall for Christine Sinclair. And, you know, and, and, and John Herdman was the same way, right? Like they, they, they had a big, there was always a big thing to get 
to get success for her as as a like god damn it look at everything she's done mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah we owe her and and they all still feel that and but to have the you know like the recognition the self-awareness and the discussion amongst teammates and amongst a team with the coach most likely in terms of that penalty for several reasons to know that one this is a keeper i play with they know my game mm -hmm. we practice i practice penalties on this person they know yeah. what i'm doing to know that maybe i'm not confident enough after that miss the other match that i've got a little bit of whatever to know that i'm carrying a bit of a knock maybe i'm not 100 percent, and taking this penalty shot might be a bad idea but knowing i've got confidence in this amazing woman who is a like calm like cool as ice just stepping Clinical, up and doing yeah. that like and that's a that's a hallmark of fleming's game right like she mm -hmm. is she is cool she is a cool customer like passionate but she just like slides in and out it's amazing watching her um but knowing that this has all been discussed that they all had an awareness of what was going to happen and that Bev Priestman trusts her players to make the right decision um, and to just go forward from that. Um, so I just, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like enough people are talking about what Priestman has done with this squad and the potential going forward as she has been bringing in younger players, giving them opportunities as it's obvious that, you know, sometime in the next year, two years, a lot of these players are no longer part of the national program. And because they've been a part of the national program for 20 years yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's, and maybe it's time, <laughs> maybe it's time. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing, but mm -hmm. it's also great to know that there are other players that, and, and that they can move on with confidence that there is, you know, that's the next point. level is right there yeah. because you know, some of them stay because who else was around to do it? Mm. Yep. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it to the other team. Do you Do think it. that uh, that man management was the failing of the like we just talked about Bev Priestman and how she's become really good at player management? Sorry to yep. say, man management. <laughs> uh, uh, do you think that a failure in player management was responsible for the U.S.'s collapse, or would you even say that it was a collapse and that maybe they just got beat on the day by a better team on the day? The latter, I don't, I don't view it as a collapse, no matter how it wants to be spun. Um, mm -hmm. If you look at the American program, and I was talking to someone about this uh, yesterday, um, and they no longer have, they are no longer the club that just shows up and beats everybody decisively uh, mm -hmm. with, you know, I'm, we're just going to score eight goals against you because we can. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, they can't do that anymore. And that's, that's, that's a combination of things. One, they are an aging squad as well. They rely on some, now, very talented. Very like, don't, talented. Don't get me yeah. wrong. They, are, they, have, they have depth. Like that triple sub. If you were watching that game and that didn't strike fear into your heart, <laughs> like, I literally, I think my heart skipped a beat. Like, <laughs> what the hell did they just do? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was yeah, like, exactly. I, was like, I need a blanket. I need, yeah. I, I need, the, I need, I need a shot of something. Yeah, the opposite of that of that screen cap that that wonderful account, that Twitter account that I follow, <laughs> posts every day. Uh, uh, it was the opposite of that, but oh, hundred uh, percent. Um, yeah. So, but you know, you look at their first match of the of the tournament, decisively beaten, um, mm -hmm. and they didn't have. 
I don't feel like they had a, a breakout match in this tournament. Like again, they're a very good squad, and they have they feature some of the top players, some of the top women player, female players in the world. But that is the same across several of the teams in this tournament. Like yep. I feel like this this tournament, these last few months, is a leveling period between the countries, I and agree. the the level of the game is finally coming up and that is for opportunities based uh in other countries mm -hmm. um for not just not just the canadian women but women in, in the other squads um and more focus on the women's game in in several countries again there's so much work still to be done but yeah, i think yeah, like the, the, I think the Americans, I don't think the Americans managed their game poorly. I think they had a really good game plan. And you saw like Canada had to absorb oh, some pressure. Like that was, again, like that wasn't a walk for anybody. There was no, that stretch of like, <laughs> yeah. what was that, 20 minutes or so? Where I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. I was unpleasant and uncomfortable and I was not <laughs> happy. But squeaky um, bum time. Oh, yeah. So that again, like looking at that match and looking how it played out in terms of who was on the pitch for each side, I think you can recognize that they were just outplayed and that's not a bad thing. Like that's a good thing, you know what? And it is a good thing for, it's a good thing for the Americans, honestly, they need a little humility, um, mm -hmm. but a little recognition as well that where they need to go with their program, right? Mm -hmm. Like absolutely, sort of like Canada had relied on you know, that veteran core and stuff, you can sometimes over rely on your vets. And I think the Americans have hit that point where, yeah, these are some of the most talented players in the world, but it's just not quite going to do it anymore. And you got to start thinking ahead. Yeah. I yeah, wanted, yeah. To, oh, mm, go ahead, I wanted to build on something you said uh, earlier, Kristen, which I think was a really good point. And that was the, the Janine Becky and, and what she did in that game in terms of tracking back and, Really, that was such a difference maker for Canada, not just from Janine, from Nichelle Prince as well, from Christine Sinclair, and even, you know, Deanne Rose. That's how Canada won the penalty was just the amount of pressure yes. they put on that American back line and were able to to cause all kinds of issues. And obviously, you know, we know how good the Americans are attacking in transition. They weren't able to do that because every time they tried to go up the field and carried the ball, there was a Canadian oh, they right were there to smothered. steal the ball it was off. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's a that was a really good point, and obviously a, a major key to the game for for Canada was was that the ability to do that. Yeah, and that yeah. felt that felt different actually from, and that was the sort of the thing that I think is, again, looking at Bev Priestman's uh, development as a coach and the team is that Canada doesn't usually play that way, or at least not that consistently, mm -hmm. and yeah. they held to that, and everybody committed to that. And playing that way while still trying to be creative, while still trying to get forward. But, you know, it's always a slog versus the Americans. That's just how that works. There's always, it's always feisty. There's always, it's always physical. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes each other, even though they half of them play together um, in other, in other situations. Yep. But it, um, that was, yeah, you know, you rarely see, the Canadian side commit to that kind of um, shutting down uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a game plan and for the most part executed really well. Absolutely. Uh, I had a question, but, but looking back on it, I mean, it, the, the women's game, like you said it yourself, it's in such flux right now. 
You know, the, the, the goalposts keep changing, especially the international game with all the federations pumping money. And, 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 you know, can we, can we say that Canada's resumed its place in the upper echelon uh, of the women's international game? Or is that arrogant presumption at this point off the back of, of one victory, even though, even though it was a profoundly important epochal victory? I don't know if you say arrogant necessarily. Um, I, I don't know if they can say that fully yet. Um, they've always been, you know, there's always been like, you know, the couple teams at the top and then Canada kind of thing. And, and mm. it's kind of like, maybe there's three teams at the top now. Maybe they're just doing this a little bit. Everyone's rotating. Um, I think you have to look at the next year and we have to look ahead to the next world cup. The next World Cup will be very telling. The World Cup is Canada's Achilles heel. I, I don't know what happens to their brains when they go to the World Cup. <laughs> something like just sets them off and they're like, oh, we forget how to do this. We're some of the most talented players in the world. We've done lots of good things, but oh no, it's the World Cup. And it's bizarre. It's bizarre to me what happens to Canada mm. at the World Cup. So I think yeah, these next two years will be really important. And like I said, because you're going to see transition of some of the veteran players out of the game. It's going to yeah. happen. Um, whether they just don't get called anymore or some of them retire, because some of them are also going to retire soon. Yeah. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. They have, they have served. They have served well. They have served long. Um, they deserve a break. Some of them will probably go into coaching. Some of them will stay involved. Diana Matheson is a fantastic example of that. She couldn't come back from an injury. She has contributed contributed a hell of a lot to this game, and her focus now is on raising the Canadian game, women's game in Canada, and mm-hmm. um, and and of course being just super fun on YouTube and television right now. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that Twitch show is fantastic. It yep. is, but yeah, I think I think this tournament showed that we're not also rands okay um, and that if we're not really fully with the top echelon that that door is being knocked on quite loudly maybe probably shoved it open I mean, someone might be holding <laughs> trying to hold it closed but there's there's some good strong maybe shoulders sweden. uh yes yeah. yes i think so. well god sweden like what can you say about them seriously mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. wish we were playing australia sorry australia <laughs> sorry matildas but I did not want to play Sweden. Mm-hmm. No. Yep. No. Yep. But hey, Mitch, that was a wonderful segue. You sort of asked your question without actually asking it. That's terrific. So tell tell us about Sweden. What 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 to look forward to in that in this game? Oh, or not look forward to, I guess. Oh, not look forward <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you've got the thing is, and and, it, and it's funny, you know, when we talk about the world game, people don't talk about Sweden, and they should. Um because they're stupidly talented and they've been here before. Why mm-hmm. does nobody remember this? This isn't that long ago. Um, I guess it's a little bit long ago in Olympics, but um, mm-hmm. they are consistently one of the top performing teams and they have uh, goal scorers. Scary, scary goal scorers. Yeah. Scary, scary goal scorers. Um, and they are, they are like, they are a very mobile team. They will run you down. And that's, I think, that's the thing that worries me the most um, is just their ability to get forward mm-hmm. and get forward 
through every part of the pitch. Like if you've blocked off the wings, they're going to punch a hole through the midfield and do it without like, without thinking about it. Like, Oh, mm. you've closed off an avenue. Have you? Well, <laughs> you'll be over here on this side of the pitch then. Um, but they're also not, this isn't a foregone conclusion. Like I, I, I am worried about playing them just because I think in the tournament, I think they've been the best uh, team. Mm-hmm. I think they've, I, I think they've had the most complete tournament. I think they've put in the strongest performances. Um, and I think they have that ability to, um, to just look at how another team plays, analyze it and neutralize it. And I think they've yep. shown that um, quite handily, but they're also not infallible. And like, this is a, this is a winnable match for Canada. Canada is, it's not like Canada is some sort of Cinderella story that has uh, fluked their way into the final. <laughs> they've played, they've played well and they have, they have strong tools at their avenue as well. And again, I think that match against the, the Americans is going to give them just a ridiculous amount of confidence and understanding that they can play against anybody and they can play against anybody well. Like again, that match against the Americans is a huge building block for them. They literally mm-hmm. just have to look back at that and be like, we need to just do a lot more of this and maybe score a goal. Yeah. You know, scoring so, scoring a goal will be key for Canada. I, I I absolutely agree with you, especially and and not and let's try and do one in the run of play just just for oh sure. yes that's what just I meant yeah yeah just for fun just for fun just you know actual <laughs> proper goal scoring yes. so what would be your game plan put your put your Bev Priestman loafers on what what would would you be would you be negative would you be or would you just go in you know heavens to Betsy and and try and score that early goal I. Not heavens to Betsy, but yeah, I'm thinking like the first 10, 20 minutes, this is, you know, let's all hell for leather, you know, like, let's just go. Let's just go. Because while still being, you know, smart about keeping the ball, but that's, I don't think there is a detriment to expending a ton of energy off the top. Like, yes, you get some tired legs, but you also have some strong legs on the bench. Like mm-hmm, this is a, mm-hmm. this is a deep bench for Canada as well, and that's the thing to remember. This is a small squad, but she had to be so choosy that everybody that she brought is a quality player. Like there's no, mm-hmm. there's nobody I'm worried about when she brings on. Like oh yeah, we didn't talk about Julia Grosso. No, oh, like did Not, you see yeah. what she did yeah. when she yeah. came on? Mm-hmm. Did you see yeah, that yeah, yeah. performance? Like was that fantastic. was. Uh, that was huge to get thrown into the match at that moment and to just immediately slot herself in, take players out, um, you know, keep control of that ball and contribute immediately. Like she hadn't been on the pitch for like a minute before it was like, oh, and Julia Grosso just did three really great things. Oh, fantastic. Um, <laughs> to, ha- to have that, because she's barely played in this tournament, right? Yep, to yep. be able to look at your bench and just be like, um, you two. And you go and know that the contribution is there and that they can pick up the slack. So that's going to be really important. But I think, I think it will be, I don't, I I don't sit back against this side. Don't sit back. Um, Yeah. Like you don't want to, there's no absorbing pressure and and it it is a frustration. I've seen, well, we've seen, we've seen the men do it and we know how that works out. Um, But (laughs) how often, like how often can you, do you watch a team sit back and absorb pressure 
for majority of the game and be successful. Look at England in 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 Euro, right? Like there's there's t example time and time again. Sorry, Jeff. Um, I mean, you you just you just fired uh, your your team just fired a coach that likes to sit back and invite pressure all the damn time. Your your Spurs, so. Um, they should have fired him a year ago. <laughs> they should never have, they should never have, they should never have hired him. That was, the um, worst, that was one of the worst things ever. Before I forget, you reminded me of something, which is the timing of this game, which is obviously in order yeah. to uh, appease to the to the primetime North American viewers. The, the team that was supposed to be there. Yeah. The yeah. Americans yeah. were in it. Which, which, which coming off... Coming off the back of the of the men's gold cup match that I don't want to talk about later, Mitch, just putting that out there. Uh, uh, do you think that's going to have an effect on 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 the shenanigans? I mean, it can't not the the timing where there actually are in in Tokyo is going to be humid and 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 disagreeable mm -hmm. for for game playing. So would that affect your ten minutes of of chaos theorem, or would it actually make it even more important? I think it makes it more important because the rest of the game is going to be hard. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I had forgotten about that in terms of timing because this is like the worst time for them to be playing over there. Yep. Um, every match has been difficult because of that. And you've seen him, uh, you've seen every team struggle to a degree with that. Uh, but I still think it's important to have a go um, and, and then reassess what can be accomplished in those opening minutes um very important not to concede more important mm -hmm. not to concede than just to score a goal but i think to sort of take take them by surprise a little bit because canada doesn't usually come out um running. swinging yeah yeah and yeah, I, I think that that will be it could be a nice little a little shock a little change just to just to throw them off base a bit and mm -hmm give Canada a little edge, a little crack in the door um, to start the match. I wanted to finish up on this, um, and it might be a little too soon to start thinking about this, especially with Thursday looming large, but kind of the legacy of this game and the opportunity that Canada soccer now has to build on this. Obviously, we saw what London did for the program in terms of getting that World Cup a few years later and, and what that obviously meant to Canada, but this is another opportunity here for for the program and and for everyone to to build on this and obviously the the big next step that we we all know they need to do which is to grow the game domestically here in Canada to if it's not a league to get an NWSL team maybe a yeah. couple how important is that that now that they really have something to to once again draw in attention and and interest in the sport in Canada that they you know obviously move on this now there's never been a more important time uh, for Canadian women's soccer ever. Mm -hmm. And, and since, since, since the first Olympics that they went to since um, in the last, easily in the last 20 years, there's easily. never been a more important time. Um, and the, the foundation that has been laid by these players um, over many years, but over this last year to go from zero you know, when nothing is going on, when everything is shut down from COVID, when they hardly ever get to play matches, when there's a struggle from to get Canada soccer to find a way to schedule friendlies. Um, like there's, 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 there's struggles across federations, both men's and women's in terms of playing and keeping game, the match in the public eye. But to have 
this kind of uh, profile raising um, awareness, global awareness of these players and of this program, and then to let it die on the vine is is will be the hugest mistake that um, Canadian soccer could ever make. So the they must, they absolutely must uh, get some NWSL franchises up here. And yes. I say I say that not because I don't want a Canadian league. I absolutely do. However, it is not happening in the next five years. And if it yep. is, I will be shocked. And everybody that is possibly working on it is doing a very good job of keeping lids on it. Um, <laughs> because there is no talk of it anywhere. Nowhere. The only talk you hear about the Women's League is that the potential of a Women's League is like, oh, yes, we would like to do that. We think it's important. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. I've That's seen nice. you ask the question I, yeah, I, I, in I, real I life. Yeah. I, I do yeah. all the time. And the time. that's always the answer I get. We're talking about it. Oh, no, no. We think it's really important and we really totally support the women. But um, yeah, we're looking into that or we've agreed to look into that is often the answer. And if they're not going to do it now, when are they going to do it? Like, what are, they, what are they waiting for? You can't talk to me about profitability of a league. Leagues aren't no. designed to be profitable to start. No, they, that is they hemorrhage not money. how this works. Yep, exactly. So if exactly. you're going to hemorrhage money for the men's game, which you should, like there's, there needs to be a national league, then you should do it for the women's game. But you're yep. not going to. Therefore, I want some organization, millionaire, Diana Matheson. Millionaire, Diana Matheson I don't <laughs> care who it is, mm-hmm. to bring NWSL clubs here. There are cities that are willing to do it. There are places for them to play. There's fan bases in place. It is built mm-hmm. in. And I will say what I said on Scooter's show on Twitch the other nice. day. Nice. I was fine. I was trying to find a way to shoehorn that that plug in, but I'm, and, I'm glad and, you got to do it. <laughs> um, and that is that the women's game, the women's team outdraws the men mm-hmm. in Canada mm-hmm. in attendance. If you've gone to both. You have seen that. Yep. You have. I have seen that. I have been to those games. I have seen full stadiums for uh, pretty much every women's match I've gone to. I have not seen that for the men's game. And yep. why are you not building and capitalizing on this? It's right there. It is literally right there. So bring NWSL to Canada and then somebody else, get off your ass and work on building a league the Canadian women, whether it's in conjunction with the CPL, whether it's a standalone, it should be in conjunction with the CPL. Why? Because League One Ontario Women's League is right there. Yep. And they are part of the CPL. And that is your feeder system. That is where you start raising your profile. BC Soccer, get your freaking act together and work on something. <laughs> something. BC Soccer and make me angry. Yeah, and, and yeah make so me angry. angry. Yeah, um, just take all of their responsibility away and find a new organization, honestly. But that's And uh, so, so there is there there is it has to happen. It has to happen and it has to happen within the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, there has and, to be something happening and it should be sooner than that. But that is what um, if they don't, it will be a tremendous disservice to these women and mm-hmm. to all the work that they have put in as soccer players throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. And as ambassadors to the game, not just, yeah. ju- not just. On oh the pitch, yeah. That's what I, oh yeah. 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 
I was going to say that too. Like they haven't stopped. Obviously we've seen what Karina LeBlanc is doing with CONCACAF, Carmelina Moscato. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of the, the impacts they've continued to, to make off the field now. So um, that's a good sign as well that, that, you know, these players are stepping off the field and and into new roles in terms of growing the the game in this country, but they are committed to that. It is a wonderful thing and they need help. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. So much. This has been awesome. I mean, it was, I'll never get tired of talking about this game. I don't think. I don't think so either. It's the best best thing ever to talk about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for having me. You guys I really appreciate it. It's always anytime, anytime. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Cheers. Yeah, make sure to go check out the Vocal Minority podcast. Oh, yeah, we didn't. Um, yeah, exactly. I've been so bad with the plugs today. <laughs> that's terrible. Uh, Mikey's back. He's going to tell us about not Dom Dwyer. So uh, yeah, let's bring him absolutely. on. Absolutely. <laughs> sorry, sorry for making you wait, Mikey. I figured it was probably uh, probably good to just get Kristen out and then get you We in. didn't have enough questions for you to steal. So, uh, right, we, right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I know, man. Now Kristen's really going to think I'm just avoiding her, right? <laughs> no, I should, honestly, some great stuff. And I loved her rant there at the end about, you know, bringing an NWSL team to Toronto. It's something we've voiced in the past, and it's still way yeah. too long. So, um, it, yeah, must must have. And she was really uh, eloquently said by her. Um, but, yeah, let's let's move on, I guess, and let's chat some. Jeff, you said you didn't want to chat some national team. It's a men's national team. Uh, Why is that? I'm just so frustrated. I that game that game took a lot out of me. That that gold cup uh, tie with Mexico, you know, uh, and I discussed it at length on uh, on Scooter's show, uh, which is on Twitch and all the all the assorted uh, networks. So I mean, there's not much more to say that I haven't said already. It's sort of an, an exasperated kind of sigh, but. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about it, that's cool. But uh, I'd rather talk about uh, about the, the the TFC since we've got. I a think game I up. think we definitely should at least yeah. talk about well, it a little bit because. Okay. Go ahead. If if, well, if there's anything that we know about the show, it's that we clearly don't care about Jeff's feelings. So let's, <laughs> get, into the, <laughs> let's get into the gold cup a bit because, like, like you said, I think sure, it is a, sure. it is important and. Um, I, I guess I kind of, I don't know, I kind of echo Jeff's feelings a little bit in the sense that, like, obviously, you know, the the main takeaway from this should be how great of a tournament it was for Canada, how incredible that performance was against Mexico to go toe-to-toe with, I think, still the best team in CONCACAF. I know they just lost to the United States, but I think I think they are still the, the best team um, until proven otherwise in World Cup qualifying, so... The, the way they performed in that game, the way they weren't scared at all, um, Tejon Buchanan's goal, obviously all of that was so incredible and, and a special moment, but it's hard to separate it from, you know, all the all the awful off-field stuff between the, the way that that uh, chant once again changed the trajectory of the game, all the racial abuse that Tejon Buchanan took after. Like, that's unfortunately what's been staying with me about this game and, me you too. know, all the work, all the work that the region and CONCACAF really needs to still put in to make sure that, you know, what we're talking about during these games is, is the results and the performances, not all this off field stuff. Exactly. I mean, personally, I just want to let this frustration fester until world cup qualification. And I hope that the men's national team is doing that as well, because um, it's, it's BS guys. It's, it's, it's absolute BS. CONCACAF is not going to do anything. Uh, you know, Mex- Mexican fans 
and and again, we're not generalizing. We didn't do it on Scooter Show either. There, you know, it, we don't want to speak in absolutes. But what happened there, guys? I mean, when when you weaponize this chant and it becomes an advantage, we're doing mm-hmm. this wrong, you know. Yeah. And and no and nobody is willing to like. You cannot ask Concacaf or the U.S. Soccer Federation to 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 turn that money away off the back of of hemorrhaging money for the last two years, right? You know, FIFA stepped in and, and said this can't happen, but that's about as far as they're willing to go. And then they, the the, it, it, the the responsibility keeps getting passed to people that aren't willing to do anything, right? And so, w- when you when you it, it's like sitting down to a poker game and and everyone knows your hand. Uh, the why wouldn't the Mexican national fans use this chant? It's not been weaponized. It's an advantage for them. So I just I find it unbelievably frustrating and then you you know we talk about the what was it seven minutes of extra time that became nine minutes of extra time just mm-hmm. long enough for them to get that dagger i don't like wearing my tinfoil hat but it's really difficult not to it's really difficult yeah. not to with with this set of circumstances yeah i think you guys pretty much sum that up like it's a joke it's disgusting it's whatever you know, word you want to use there to describe it. It's just completely unacceptable. And at a certain point, like there has to be some real action taken here because obviously this is not getting any better. It's a, it's an incident that occurred multiple times during the Gold Cup, not just mm-hmm. because it cost Canada some some points or you know them moving on. It's, it literally happened against Trinidad and Tobago as well in in a group stage game, if yep. I'm not if I'm not mistaken. So. It's a, it's a joke, Mike. I mean, it's I mean, joke, the fact yeah. that they, the fact that the federation gets to uh, pawn off any sanctions for fans without uh, games without fans to the women's federation is a profound insult to both federations. I mean, look, at the end of the day, and and again, this 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 harkens back to the discussion I was having with Scooter. The the only solution that's going to happen is an internal one, and that is a critical mass of fans in the stands saying this is not going to happen. We know that powers that be are not going to do anything because there's money on the line and there's skin in the game. And that is a long, patient uh, change. And it and and I I just let us play, guys. Like let us play because we came to play in that game, and I think we would have won it. If, if it wasn't for all the off-field shenanigans. And that's unbelievably frustrating. And, okay, yeah, and, uh, I think we all said what we need to say on that note, but I, wa- mm-hmm. I did want to talk about the game for a little bit because, <laughs> honestly, like, let's take all those antics away from it. What a game from the Canadian men's national team. Mm-hmm. Especially when you consider all of the players that the team was missing. For mm-hmm. them to to concede right before halftime in the fashion that they did. Whatever John Herdman said to those guys in the locker room, they came out flying for that second half. This is a team that would not be intimidated. They would not back down from any sort of scuffle, any sort of incident from, you know, any Mexican player. And that's in a, in front of a crowd of what, 60, 70,000 70, Mexican mm-hmm. fans. It yeah. honestly doesn't get much tougher than that. And for mm-hmm. them to put in the performance that they did, where we're here saying they arguably probably did deserve to win that game mm-hmm. against Mexicans, what, A, B side, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's why I've been saying 
the Canadian men's national team is a dark horse moving forward in the CONCACAF region, not only to qualify for a World Cup, but I'm saying that they could be one of the top two teams to qualify for a World Cup because they are that good. And if you consider the likes of uh, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Kyle Larin, Atiba Hutchins, and again, we go through the list over and over. Lucas Cavallini, he's got to play in that next game against Mexico. I want, I want the, the Cava, the full Cava but experience. You factor those guys in, and this team has to be considered one of the best teams in Concacaf now, especially after that showing against again a very good Mexican side. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike, you you said it. Just I mean, there was so much sore winning on on the side of the of Mexico and their fans, and that is. I think a direct uh, a consequence of our coming out party. We are legit, and mm-hmm. we showed it. And yeah. there is no more. There'll be no more of this. Uh, well, I, I, you know, the Canada of old is 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 gone. The the Canadian men's national team of old is gone. We can hang with anybody, and uh, it's 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 only a matter of time before that's proven in 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 uh, in the win loss column and, and the statistics. Mm-hmm. We can hang with anybody. We can hang with anybody and when you consider that you know this men's national team hasn't had much time together as well i feel like each game goes on they're getting more comfortable more familiar you see the likes of a tejan buchanan literally blossoming Mm -hmm. in front of our very Mm -hmm. own eyes alistair johnson and i want to give a quick shout out to to john herdman because that 5-3-2 honestly like genius because Mm -hmm. not only is he factoring you know a style of play that he wants to implement He's taken in the, the roster in terms of the makeup of players that Canada have. And mm-hmm. Kamal Miller and Alistair Johnson, so perfect in those left and right center back spots. I because know. they not only are they, are they sturdy defensively, they also have the pace and they also have the ability to pick a pass moving forward. And to yep. be able to, you know, really seamlessly slot those guys in there into that spot, which frees up, you know, the likes of an Alfonso Davies or Tejan Buchanan or Richie Larea, wingbacks that are really some of the best in this nation at going forward is just, it's honestly genius. And I, I can't commend him enough for, for figuring that out. And the future is bright, man. The future is really bright. That's, that's the way I came away from, from that game. Yeah. And I think that, I think that Tejan Buchanan goal was legitimately like a massive moment for, for the game in this country, because like Canada just straight up punched Mexico in the mouth in that moment. Like I've never <laughs> seen, I've never seen a Canadian national team. Like, I think I tweeted that was the coldest goal Canada's ever scored, and it was like, yeah, yeah just just so much that composure. Bike. Oh, yeah. that bike! If if it had come off, my goodness! I, was that the Mexico game, or was that was no? That, that was uh, that was Costa Rica. Yeah, if that had come uh, off, Anthony that would have been. Filthiest goal in the history of, of the Canadian men's national yeah. team, but but it was just yeah, like yeah. the confidence that that goal takes to score is is unbelievable and something we've never seen from. He Canada had like before. three runners going far post, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Nah, yeah. nah, 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 this is my <laughs> show." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what that's honestly that's a superstar. Superstars yeah. have that mentality, and when you can pull it off, that's that's where you make your money. And I, <laughs> Tejan Buchanan's transfer value just went up about. Two, three million, just because of that goal for the New England Revolution. Easy, <laughs> Easy. but I would, I, you know, we're, we're sort of, se- I'm sort of segueing here, but I would be, I, you know, I think one more year under Bruce Arena on that squad is maybe not the worst thing in the world in terms of uh, Tejan moving on right away. 
I know I'm, I've gone on a total digression, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, like every young player is so different. Um, mm-hmm. What I say one year would benefit him perhaps, but I honestly think he's ready. I think he's mm. ready to make the move over. Um, he's still, again, getting better and better, and why not put him in the best environment possible to improve and against the best players? So the He's not going the to Manchester game. United. I don't, I don't care what candles you light. He's not, <laughs> he's not going to Manchester United. Uh, uh, just quickly, because Yvonne's asked like three times, the proper pronunciation is La-E, correct? Well, L-A-H. Did you see Richie Larea's statement? On Twitter, I did. I did see Richie Lai's so, statement. I think just, just go to go to that statement, and you'll get the answer that you need. I, I, he's not picky in terms okay. of is it whether it's Larae or Lai. Lai is the the Ghanaian pr- uh, pronunciation, and how you know his his I guess family would would go by it. But he's lived in Canada for years and years and years, and it's always gone by Larae. So he doesn't mind either pronunciation. So what's proper? I mean, I guess Lai. that's subjective, right? Right. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you: Are you going to call him Lai or Larea? Uh, I honestly haven't even made my mind. I like Larea just because I'm so comfortable with it. But yeah, yeah. If so, if he doesn't have a preference, maybe I'll stick with that. But I like Lai because no one's going to know what I'm talking about, and then I'll have to spell it out <laughs> for them. I'll be like, "Oh, that guy, Richie Larea," and then I can be pretentious, which is my default step in my default setting. So that'd be kind of fun. Uh, Tell us what's going on in the press conference. Enough, enough. I want to know what's going on with uh, with our man Pozuelo. Yeah, I mean, Pozuelo still is day to day right now with uh, his leg injury. Um, really suffered it in, in the lead up to last match. And he was a surprise absence, obviously, from last match. Um, just reading between the lines here, it seems like it's a long shot that he'll play in tomorrow's game against the Philadelphia Union. But he should be back on Saturday for New York City FC. So again, TFC will have to dig in, find a way to to get some points without their talisman. But it, it against a, a Union team away from home. The last time they played against a Philadelphia Union away from home, Not we uh, yeah we erased the, the that game from our memory. So yeah, what, what what happened? It was uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the Union right now they're not. They're not in the greatest run of form. They're still mm-hmm. a, a very, very, very good team, especially when you know they're playing at home in front of their home fans. So you know this one's going to be a really tough one. It really starts a really tough week in general for TFC because after Philadelphia, they're going right now to the or they're going to be facing hosting the hottest team in Major League Soccer, and that's New York City FC, who's just scoring goals for fun against really tough opposition. <laughs> They just destroyed yeah. uh, Orlando and Columbus like back oh, to back. Scary, yeah. scary stuff. Scary, scary. scary. Uh, I like I like what uh, what Will Dunn is saying. Just just uh, instead of the five, instead of the one from last season, let's think the 2019 MLS opener. Bradley Brace, you know, golden. There we go. Positive Bradley. Vibes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, yeah. Another thing from from that presser, I guess I'll mention is. Uh, two things I want to touch on is one, the play the young guns movement. Mm-hmm. That's kind of gone out the window. Um, and there's a couple reasons for that. It's not necessarily that Perez doesn't like playing his youngsters. It's a, the time timing of it is that TFC right now, they're looking for stability. They're looking for something that's sure. 
and they need to pick up points. So they're trying to build off what what has been set the last five games. And going with that stability, you're, you're not going to be able to inject random youngsters in your lineup. A player like Ralph Preso, he took advantage of his opportunity um, when uh, Aro got injured and Mark Delgado shifted to right back, ultimately summoning Ralph Preso into the game. And he hasn't really looked back from there because of the strong performance. Now, those that's going to be few and far between to come by for young kids. Um, and specifically, uh, well, before I say this, he also mentioned that uh, he doesn't want to bring young kids into an environment that isn't stable, an environment that isn't a winning culture. He doesn't want to be injecting kids into that that scene because it could do bad things for their confidence, right? If you come in, a kid has a bad game in an unstructured lineup, then you know it's not really helping him in any sort of way. So another thing he mentioned there was the fact that he wants the when he does bring kids in, he wants to ensure that it is a positive winning environment. Specifically, I asked him about Jaden Nelson and Shaquille Marsha-Rudy. And this is pretty interesting. He, again, re- reiterated that, that you know, he wants to bring his young kids in a stable environment. But he did say that Shaquille Marsha-Rudy, he wants to keep close because he thinks he's actually ready to contribute to the first team. And I think that's really a testament to kind of the hmm. player that Shaquille Marsha-Rudy is, where he's so sure, so solid he's very smart in terms of the game thinking the game he is willing to make the right passes he isn't trying to do too much and that's always been the the um, sentiment that we got about Shaquille is that he really does understand the game whereas Jaden Nelson is a player that's a little bit further away according to Perez Um, Jaden Nelson we know he has the flair he has the ability to take players on 1v1 but in terms of just playing the game at a high level making the right passes when you need to he's a little bit further away and it's, it's a bit of a question mark when it comes to that because of, of the, his style of play, to be honest, he is a game breaker, but he still needs to understand the right moments to do that. So um, just to give you an update on, on those two players specifically, because I think those are probably TFC's two most highly touted prospects. I mean, when, when I hear waiting for a stable environment, I, I, it's, it sort of alludes to the fact when I'm given the head coaching job, right? I'm, I'm, you know, while I'm wearing this interim tag, I, I don't really want to upset the apple cart too much. And I, I, I would be inclined to agree with that sentiment. So um, you didn't say no Blakello though. And, and he's quite exciting. Uh, what was I going to say? What's, what's the update with, uh, with the other guys, the, the, the Achars, the not Dom Dwyer's, the, <laughs> Yeah, we actually only other one that I got a question on was Subasa Endo, and mm. so it's kind of some unfortunate news because this guy really can't catch a break. Um, he suffered a lower body injury, lower leg injury against the Chicago Fire, and it sounds like he's going to be out a little bit of a long term injury. Oh so no! That's just a, a tough break for Subasa, who really was was starting to find his own, and after missing the entire preseason with surgery. He started to, you know, like I said, find his own. He started to really earn a, a spot here in, in Javier Perez's lineup. And it's just, it's really disappointing to hear that, you know, once again, he's taken a step back as a result of an injury. Um, Achara, for the first time this season, he's not actually listed on the Toronto FC injury report. There were rumblings that, you know, he might go down to TFC two in order to find games and get some, some run of play under his belt. But there is a, an outside chance that he does find a way to crack that 18, depending on how he's performing in training. 
but he is very, very, very close to game action, whether that is with TFC or TFC2. So honestly, this week, potentially, I expect him to to find his name in one of those those 18s. Um, not sure if speaking I have anyone of, else. Sp- speaking of names that, that we found in 18s on TFC2 that have now disappeared off the face of the planet, where in the world is uh, Erickson Gallardo? That's a that's a good question, Jeff. Like we talked about on that Twitter spaces the one day. Listen, like if Javier Perez is really stressing stability and structure, how are you gonna take someone like a Jonathan Osorio out of the lineup to play Erickson Gallardo? You're not. Right? What I have noticed again is as you point out there, Jeff, he's no longer with TFC two. I mean he still might be with TFC two, but he hasn't he didn't play in the last match or was dressed in the eighteen. So nope. maybe that's a, a hint towards him potentially, you know, getting a run here with TFC, but uh, he's not quite there yet. Michael, something you've mentioned and maybe we'll finish up on this uh, a little bit is you keep talking about points. Lately it's been more point for Toronto FC and obviously <laughs> they are they are aware of this uh, Omar Gonzalez after the game saying we know that every game needs to be three points before we walk out onto the field it's at the forefront of our mind that this is a championship game we need to win we're at home in front of our fans we have to get three points so when you walk after the final whistle and it's another point at home you're disappointed um, so looking at this run as a whole obviously talk about stability that's important and it's been much better from Toronto FC but I mean the the draws kill you draws kill you especially when you're chasing teams because one point obviously is is you know somewhat marginal in the standings how important is it that Toronto FC start to turn these into wins especially some of these games where they're at home and they're pushing late go ahead Jeff oh I, I mean it was important three weeks ago. It was important before we, mm-hmm. we came back to, to BMO. Um, I think I would I would refine the question to where is the line of demarcation where we start going, all right, yeah, we are mathematically in a position, you know, looking at looking at the fixtures. Is there a point? Uh, you know, at what point I don't want to say lost season, but I, I I'll say it. At what point is it a lost season? I mean, I think we're a month away from that still. Um, okay. Because they're, they're what, only two spots, eight points out. So that's that's a lot, but it's not insurmountable, certainly. I mean, and and they do have a bunch of games coming up, as we've always said, against Eastern Conference opposition, including two this week. So while they're difficult, I'm, I don't think lost season is, is fair, especially with we're, what they've been doing recently. We're not even halfway yet through the, through mm-hmm. the season, mm-hmm. technically, right? And here's what I will yep. say. Yes, we're, Absolutely, TFC needs to start turning some of these draws into wins, especially when they're playing at home. Because, yeah. you know, three points in three games at BMO Field is not satisfactory. No, but here's what I'll add. Since Perez has been appointed, TFC have picked up 9 out of 15 points. That's 1.8 mm-hmm. points per game. Looking at the, the MLS standings, Eastern Conference table, that's good enough for second in the league in terms of points per game. Second in the Eastern Conference, sorry, in terms of points per game. That puts them right under the New England Revolution. Wow. So if you look at it from the grand scheme of things, obviously with TFC standards, they expect to win every game. But nine points from 15 is actually a very good number. And if they were to technically keep that up the rest of the season, 
I would imagine they they continue to make up ground and they get their way into to, into a playoff spot. Um, again, Mitch, this is going to be a really tough week, as you said. They have mm-hmm. two very very good opponents that they're facing, and two opponents that are honestly chasing down for for playoff positions right now. So, I feel like we're saying this every single week, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a pivotal week, man, for Toronto FC because of again. They need to find a way to dig in here against some really tough sides and come away with the results. Now, if they if they go to Philadelphia and they don't pick up three points, if they pick up one point, is that a bad result? Not necessarily. Again, for all the reasons that we listed. And same thing as New York City FC at home. Like, New York City FC, they're on fire right now. So, two points from those those guys, it's not ideal, but I don't know if that's that's a tragedy yet. Um, hopefully they can do better, but it'll be a, it'll be a real test this week. Hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely a big, big week ahead for Toronto FC. And again, we, we, this is another thing we say every week, but they're, they're getting, they have the guys back from the gold cup. Now those guys should be ready to play. So the, the squad is very much there for, for the team to, you know, take the second half of the season running. Um, but we've gone well over time. Here oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As I uh, <laughs> anticipated, we might, considering all of, all of what we had to talk about this week. So let's let's wrap things up there. Of course, huge thank you, as always, to Kristen Knowles for coming on the show from the Bike Vocal Minority Podcast. Make sure to, to check that out. Um, thank you to Kevin, Sophia, and Edwin, of course, for all the work they do in the background. Of course, all of you for, for listening to the show this week. And we always love getting your feedback on all things Canadian soccer. On behalf of Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh, I'm Mitchell Tierney. Have an amazing week, everyone, and let's go Canada. Uh-huh.